0: Welcome to the Israel Conversation by Massah Leadership and Impact Center, the content engine behind Massah Israel Journey. We bring contemporary, challenging, and compelling Israel issues to light in ways that help us stay connected with what's really going on on the ground. I am your host, Michael Unterberg. here this week with special co-host, producer, Matt
1: Lippman. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. Good to be back.
0: Thanks for filling in for Liel, who was called away last minute. But today we have a very serious topic, the Israel's declaration of several NGOs, non-government organizations to be terrorist groups and a bit of the flap up that came because of that. And to help, help us understand that story, we have a special guest. Matt, would you please introduce our guest?
1: I would love to, thank you, Michael. This morning we're joined by Itai Rouveni. Itai is the Director of Communications in NGO Monitor, a Jerusalem-based nonprofit research institute. Until recently, he was the Director of the Israel Research Desk in the institute. And his areas of expertise are social movements and civil society, NGOs' role in conflict and foreign funding in anti-Semitism. He studied for a BA in political science and Iranian studies at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. And he also obtained an MA in political science and international affairs. He was included in 2018 in Makoroshan's list of most influential young adults in Israel, and in 2019, he was awarded with Haifa University's Online Ambassadors Award for his work in combating anti-Semitism.
2: Welcome. Hello, Mike, Matthew. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's nice to have uh, an adult, younger, otherwise, to talk to, to help well, explain things. So yeah, that, that to, to me was the really key. Not so young anymore. All right. Listen, but if in your CV it mentions you're an adult, I'm impressed. That's very good. Uh, that's very helpful. So I have to tell you that that this in particular is a story that just feels hard to understand, because every time the headlines would come up about and, and and Israel declared them terrorist organizations, and then the U.S. was angry about that, and then different groups are protesting back and forth. So first of all, can you explain to me what it means, what, this term NGO in your in your organization NGO Monitor? non-government organization. Aren't most organizations non-government organizations? Why, why, what does that title mean?
2: Yeah, so uh, NGO, non-governmental organization, is a, is a platform that's that being used uh, for civilians to gather around and uh, promote a social or political issue that they mm-hmm. think that should be promoted. Uh, there are endless forms of NGOs, endless uh, methods to uh, create an NGO, uh, but NGOs have something very special that, uh, let's say, the official institutions that we have on a certain country, let's say the US or Israel, um, don't have, which is a certain kind of of power that derived from their um, uh, from the fact that they are non governmental, mm-hmm. uh, that they are civilian. Uh, that's include the money they're getting, mm-hmm. the resources they having. And also uh, the reputation and the fact that they can tag themselves uh, however they want.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We are and we in we in NGO monitor. We basically uh, focusing on specific group of NGOs that claims to promote human rights and humanitarian agendas, specifically on the um, on the Israeli Palestinian conflict, and we are asking questions. Where, where is the power from? Why some NGOs are the forefront of uh, some very negative campaigns against the state of Israel and sometimes against uh, the Jewish people? Where does the money come from? Why no one is criticizing them? Uh, how come they are uh, covered with some kind of halo that preventing from uh, their funders, for example, uh, to asking questions?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now, the term NGO is... Is also the mainstream media is part is also an NGO is also part of the civil society. Mm. This is a very interesting question that that we don't have an answer to. Um, in Israel, for example, we have more than 40000 uh, non-profit registered. Wow. It's a lot. That it's a, a lot. lot. Every mosque, every synagogue, every little organization that want to help someone in his little town is listed in the non-profit register. That means you have... Let, let's let's assume that... You can't monitor it, all of that. No, no, no. We can't. And we don't, <laughs> we don't, uh, we, we don't want to monitor. We right. want to... Uh, we want to focus on this phenomenon where, where the the human rights discourse became one of the platforms that being used in order to uh, demonize and delegitimize the state of Israel mm-hmm. and putting politics aside, we don't we don't deal with questions like uh, settlements or borders. We're dealing with questions of misusing this discourse by those NGOs in order to. Uh, uh, advance those very, very negative campaigns that we're all experiencing uh, in, the, in the last 20 years.
1: Itay, can I just ask you a question? Just to get context, you said in Israel, there's 40,000 uh, registered NGOs. Could you give us a context, like in America, for example? Do you know how many there are, just so we can understand the scale of that? In, in America,
2: well, Israel is one of the, the democracies that if you uh, if you compare the ratio between uh, listed nonprofits and uh, and let's say the population it's very high uh, for example india is one of them in the us uh, it's it's rather different because you have different kind of nonprofits mm-hmm. different uh, methods for example there is a mm, there is a difference between a nonprofit that dealing with political issue and receiving money from from outside the us than a nonprofit that listed in a specific state and dealing with, uh, I don't know, a social issue in, uh, for example, California or or New York. I believe that uh, last time I checked, the US have tens of thousands listed uh, in in different contexts, in different issues, uh, but still in Israel, the ratio is very, very high. And also the, the civil society is very strong. Now, don't forget that in the US, the um, separation between religious institutions and uh, official institutions are very, are, are, are almost um, 100% clear. Here, every church, every synagogue, every mosque is listed as a nonprofit, as an NGO. Uh, so basically, I can register every... Research institute. Every uh, um, even a campaign that I'm doing in order to uh, to raise funds, I can list it as an NGO. Uh, so it, it's very different in Europe. the, the game is different also. So I'm not getting into it. It's more complicated for our uh, listeners.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I I think for me in my head it's always easier when I think of not for profit as as organizations that don't have uh, an explicitly political agenda an ngo is a kind of not-for-profit that has political agenda so that's why th- that's what non-government is even relevant because you expect governments to be dealing with politics these are or the organizations involved in politics that aren't yeah and then the media is journalism is an interesting question but I, those are often for profit so they are not government yeah, organizations a- yeah
2: I I think this is a good point that that leading us to to the subject. So so the the, the term non-governmental is is actually very misleading. One, we all have, all the NGOs have political agenda or social Mm -hmm. agenda or economical agenda, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And all those things require to work uh, in front of politicians, political institutes, to lobby, to do advocacy. Uh, public campaigns. So it's, uh, it's pretty naive to uh, to think that an NGO is totally separated with the political process. This is mm-hmm. one. The other interesting issue that NGO Monitor is, let's say, more more than sixty percent of our research is dealing with it, is the question of funding. What's happened with an NGO that most of its funding is, is the source our governments. Mm-hmm. Can we call it NGO? An NGO? I'm not talking about, um, let's say, an NGO that providing services and the government use it in order to uh, uh, the same government. Let's say the Israeli government gives the money a to a contractor, an Israeli NGO. Yeah, yeah. To uh, I don't know, to uh, fight cancer, mm-hmm. because the Israeli government cannot do it by itself, so they outsource it to NGO. That's something that happens all the time. What's happened in political issues, in, 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 in hot political issues, when an NGO receives most of its funding from foreign governments, mm-hmm. the, the NGO decided it depended on these governments, and, and vice versa, the government depends on the NGO services. What's happened then? It is determined NGO is the right term to, uh, uh, to address such an organization. Uh, and we have a term for that. It's called uh, GONGO, a government organization, non-governmental organization. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's an academic term. but um, and, It's also kind of and, fun and, to it, say. Yeah, it's very fun. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's actually, and, and, and this term is very much connected to the news that we uh, hearing about Israel designate six Palestinian NGOs as terror, terrorist organizations.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and just one more question before we get to that news story. Can you give me an example of, there must be NGO, human rights organizations that deal with Israel and Palestinians that are doing a good job that aren't fronts for, can you give me some examples of some NGOs that you've checked out that you say, well, you know, they really are trying to.
2: Get- uh, there are. I would will, I will say something very uh, uh, general. If you, number wise, there are many NGOs that are trying to do good. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about peace. I'm not talking about coexistence. Even if we only focusing on the Palestinians, many NGOs, many platforms trying to do good, trying to promote uh, uh, the Palestinian rights Mm -hmm. as they see it, trying to uh, build infrastructures. Uh, There are many. Many of them, uh, the problem is you don't hear about it. Mm. This is the problem. The problem is that the human rights discourse about on on the Palestinian issue is being led and hijacked, hijacked by a group of politically motivated NGOs, from the big ones like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty, to small ones, to local ones in 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 Ramallah or in Israel or in the US, and those NGOs the only thing that they have in mind is to punish Israel. And no matter what Israel is doing, no matter what. Uh, well, they also, uh, criti-
0: they also criticize, at least the big ones I know, also criticize leadership in, the, in both Gaza and the West Bank for their, they raise human we, rights issues. We had,
2: we had many comparative studies on how, about the double standards of mm-hmm. those NGOs and how they deal with Israel and how they deal with other places. Um we, it's not even, uh, uh, it's not even comparable. Mm-hmm. Israel is the most targeted place in, in, among those NGOs. The hypocrisy and double standards are visible to everyone. The language that they use, the, uh, the international law that they uh, di- uh, distort in order to um, demonize whatever Israel is doing is pretty much clear. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, some of the most radical activists are leading those NGOs and one of the problems and I had many discussions with with, with activists all over is that if you are not if you're not declaring that you are uh, anti-Israeli
3: mm-hmm.
2: you're out of the game mm-hmm. you, you cannot be neutral you cannot be you, you, you cannot even criticize equally the bo- both sides. And we had many cases of, of employees, and, in, and not only in NGOs, also in a big humanitarian agencies mm. that came to us and said, I only said something in favor of Israel or against the Palestinians, and I got fired or I got silenced. And we see this phenomenon. these Same people, same activists moving between NGOs, setting up very radical agendas. And and, the, and, and this is one for biggest focus. Mm. So yes, there are many NGOs that are doing good. You will not hear them and probably they will not get also money because mm. you, you you don't hear about it.
1: Um, can I ask you a question? It's how you're talking about uh, foreign governments funding the places with the, the agenda that you're describing. Um, what sort of governments are we talking about? Are we talking about governments which are officially enemy states of Israel? We're we talking about European countries. We're talking about... Uh, North America, uh, the United States, for example, who think they're funding worthwhile causes and then it turns out they're not based on your research? Like, what sort of governments are we talking about?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So surprisingly, when uh, NGO Monitor exists for almost 20 years, and one of the the things that were very surprising and also very unique that we start to work on is the fact that many NGOs that promote... Uh, radical agendas against the state of Israel. Actively, I'm talking about uh, BDS, the boycotts, the and, uh, and sanctions uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. About lawfare, whether it's the International Criminal Court, whether it's in the United Nations or other platforms. Uh, provocation, you know, flotillas, flotillas, uh, uh, all those, uh, all those, uh, all this anti-Israeli lobby in different in the Congress, in in the par- in different parliaments most of the money, let's say they receive most of the grants from European countries that are friendly to Israel. And this is one of the most surprising things that we are working on. And the Europeans, if we take, take these 20 years and we look on two decades, are invested on those NGOs and also dependent on them. Mm. It's not like the NGO is dependent on the donor. Those states, those countries are dependent on the services, uh, allegedly, that the, the, that the NGO them They yeah, want what to do know. They need,
0: yeah, what do they need that for?
2: So there are different reasons. One of the, well, one of the reasons is that Europe is very much believes in um, in soft power. Mm-hmm. Soft power is a term from from political science, from international relations, meaning that you. Uh, 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 not like hard power. When you not like
0: militarily, uh, uh, you use cultural yeah, and political influence.
2: Yeah, cultural. political, You convince someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you try uh, to make p- uh, people or states to be your allies. So Europe is is a, is a big believer in in civil society, in soft power, and they're using the the spectrum of NGOs of civil society in order to to promote uh, their values. The The paradox is that when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian issue, the NGOs that being involved in this issue are pretty much the most political and radical NGOs that you can find. And Europe invested for years without any process of due diligence, without any uh, vetting process. All the processes of who gives the money and why are Totally, almost totally secret. Mm. No one knows. No one understands why this specific NGO received the money and not, like you said, someone that is not radical. And with years, those NGOs became the sole providers of information about what's going on
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to the Europeans.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we can see it. We can see it on uh, the condemnations that Europe always condemned the uh, uh, the reports the UN reports that we always uh, hear about on the news uh, so and it's it became an industry in in a, some close circle that it's very hard to break between government donors radical NGOs uh, or very political NGOs and the media which we not touch the media Right now it's it's another mm-hmm. story, but and it's always feeding itself, always mm-hmm. feeding itself, and it's very hard to uh, to break this uh this circle.
0: So these governments um, that don't have their own CIA to get them intelligence, they're using these NGOs to get them information, but these are very biased it, organizations.
2: It, it's it's more it's more it, it's not we, we think we, we we tend to think when we, we we're talking about information, we uh and many of us tend to think about, you know, uh, intelligence, security, mm-hmm. things like that. Here, it's more in the political level. Mm-hmm. So the governments use uh, the NGOs first and foremost to uh, show strength. This is what Europe have to say,
1: mm-hmm. and in
2: order in order to say it, we need information, and we get this information from our allies in uh, Ramallah or in Tel Aviv or in any other place. And this information being used by Europe in order to pressure Israel to promote their, their agenda. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. We have many quotes and many doc- documented um, correspondences that that showing that it's so important for the Europeans to keep this, uh, this backdoor of of pressuring the Israeli society and government by NGOs, keeping it open. And it's so important for them.
1: Hmm. So so can I ask a question? If these countries, these European countries, for example, have positive relations with Israel and the government is is aware of this, where does your organization fit in? Like, surely the Israeli government should turn around to the European countries and say, guys, stop. (laughs) Like, this is not Mm -hmm. okay. It's unproductive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and not, and not characteristic of a friendly, of, of right. friendly relations between two countries, yeah. right? Like,
2: yeah. So, th- this phenomenon was not so understood and, um, and even visible to the Israeli government for years because of many reasons. The, the, the Israeli, uh, official, it doesn't mean that necessarily, uh, doesn't matter which government, but all the governments since 2001. Since uh, since this thing uh, um, started to get shape as a campaign, as an organized campaign, mm-hmm. they were in, they were busy with fighting terrorism in the second intifada.
3: Mm-hmm. No
2: one even thought about public diplomacy, about mm-hmm. soft power, about uh, media campaigns, about the UN, about the EU. No, no one thought about it, uh, and this is where we we, we filled that, that vacuum. And started to raise questions. Wait, are friendly countries actually doing it to each other? Let's say, let's do it. Let's do an experiment with our listeners, vice versa. Can you imagine that Germany will fund an NGO inside the US, in the US, for example, that promotes uh, allegations of war crimes of uh, uh, American soldiers? In order to take those allegations to the International Criminal Court, can you imagine what the, Amer- what the U.S. authorities will do to Europe to the Europeans? In two seconds, the European ambassador in the U.S. will be called out.
0: Right. Well, that's Matt's question.
2: Yeah. In two. In two yeah. seconds. But but in Israel, it's different. It's it, there is because the Israeli authorities never put it in high priority until a few years ago. It it's, it became an issue that almost unique in the world. It's like, yes, everything is open. Everything is, uh, is, it's, it's break open. Just Mm -hmm. come, put your money. No one understand what is the money is going for. No one knows. Not Israelis, not the, not the Europeans. They don't, they don't care. And if they care, they hide it. And we have, many documents that being sent to us by Freedom of Information Request. And you can see they they delete it with black markers Mm -hmm. or put black squares on some of the information. But it's not security information. It's not something secret. It's, they understand that there are diplomatic norms between countries and they break it. And in order not to create much more damage between the countries, they hide this, this thing from us.
0: So, so let's get to now, I think that's good background to understand what happened here with, what, what exactly was Israel's decision regarding these specific NGOs that they're now calling terrorist organizations? And what are the implications of that?
2: Okay, so um, I will start, I, I, I think that we need to separate between the noise that we hear Mm -hmm, in the media, mm -hmm. and the titles, and and the facts. Mm -hmm. like Describing what happened, really, Mm -hmm. and why it it happened. And in order to explain that, I will will, uh, first explain in one sentence what exactly happened a week ago. Mm -hmm. And then I will give the background of uh, why and how the process looked like. So last Friday, Israeli uh, declared that six Palestinian NGOs that registered in Ramallah in the Palestinian Authority are uh, going to be listed designated as uh, terror organizations. Now, Israel have a list of designated terror organizations. There are many organizations there. You can find the Excel is available both in English and in Hebrew on the Israeli Ministry of Defense website. You can actually Mm -hmm. go and see when it was designated, how? Uh, Israel is not unique. The mm-hmm. US have the same list of designations, uh, which the US establishment are, is its own you know, decision, which NGOs and which organizations are going to be, uh, be in this list. The European Union have it, uh, the UK have it. Many, many countries have those uh, designations uh, from different reasons. So Israel decided and some of those organizations consider to be uh, human rights organizations in the international community. And it's started kind of a crisis between US, Europe, and Israel, and also the human rights world and Israel, saying that the reason that Israeli de- Israel designated those six NGOs are purely political, and are not uh, n- n- there is nothing to do with terrorists. What, what is
1: the political nature of like, What is the political nature of that that would make Israel want to? Um, okay, th- so th- this does is, that make sense? This is actually you're saying
0: in the accusation. This, what are they? Why? Yeah. why yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So this
2: is actually this is actually a great, uh, uh, great set to our. Uh, to what I wanted to give us a background. Mm-hmm. So this happened now. Let's take a few years back. Those six NGOs are well known uh, on their involvement on different campaigns against Israel. It can be BDS. One of them is the NGO that actually signed the the complaint against Israel in the International Criminal Court. Mm -hmm. Most of those NGOs using uh, demonizing allegations against Israel Apartheid state, war crimes, genocide, all those words. Uh, other NGOs of, um, among the six promotes investment, sorry, um, divestments of companies from, uh, from Israel. Those six are the leading front of the human rights industry when it comes to the campaigns against Israel. They are very much invested in it. There, are, there is a lot of money, a lot of halo on those NGOs. So you cannot touch them. You can never criticize them. Uh, most of, all of them actually receives money from uh, European governments, receive prizes from the European governments. They are uh, connected to them. You can see briefings. You can see uh, dinners with diplomats. Uh, like I said before, this closed circle, those six NGOs, were the leading front of this uh, of those campaigns, and yet, Israel dealt with these NGOs uh, in the political level. Oh, you're very anti-Israeli. Uh, uh, you're wrong. You know, and called them out, uh, but they didn't interfere yeah, with it. Yeah, uh, all, all the pro-Israeli, uh, let's say, spectrum, uh, stand with us, and monitor, uh, Everyone, you know, the, it's, a, it's the public diplomacy war. Okay the world uh, to, uh, uh, to convince others who is right.
0: So what changed? In
2: 2016, uh, we identified something very interesting. We, ident- we, we, we took those six NGOs and seven more, 13 NGOs, and we saw that many of the officials on those NGOs are connected in different ways, whether it's officially or unofficially, to the, the 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 Popular Front Liberation of Palestine, this is a, a designated terror organization uh, by uh, U.S., uh, the EU, Canada, and Israel. And some of the NGOs were actually uh, connected by, by themselves, like the NGO itself was an affiliate, or, or for example, one of the NGOs that got declared uh, was the the agricultural arm of uh, the PFLP the popular front liberation of uh, of Palestine so uh, we started to map it out we start okay wait so you have ngos that that are active in the campaigns against israel receives money from friendly government and their uh, ceos and managers and officials are connected to a designated terror organization. That's that's very interesting. And we had like very simple report about it back in 2016. And then it was like a snowball. Mm. This issue became one of the most important issues that was discussed between us and our audiences, but also Israel and the European countries. One of the interesting questions was, let's replace the PFLP with ISIS. Mm-hmm. Will you give money to an NGO that having three managers as ISIS activists? No one will do it ever.
0: Or the Ku Klux Al-Qaeda, Klan. Or,
2: yeah, or, or, yeah, exactly. So why the PFLP? So why no one care about it? Why do Europeans give uh, money, even if we, we don't see you know, a specific terror act? Why are you giving, where, where is the benefit of the doubt? Like what? Mm -hmm. They're
0: not even pretending to not be connected to this organization.
2: No, 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 no. We 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 documented, we documented videos and, and screenshots and pictures and documents that's showing them, you know, in memorials to terrorists and with Mm -hmm. TFP flags and nothing was, was secret. Nothing was secret. Everything was visible.
0: Yeah. Out in the open.
2: But change the game. If I'm now, this was 2016, 17, 18. What changed the game was Rina Schnerb's murder Mm. in 2019. uh, A 17 year old Israeli girl, together with her family, uh, um, was attacked by a a terror cell of the PFLP. Uh, The the father and the brother uh, got injured. Unfortunately, uh, the daughter Rina Schnerb. Was, uh, was killed on the spot. A few months later, the Israeli Secret Service, uh, the Shabak, uh, had a breakthrough, arrested 50 activists of the PFLP. Now, th- that was December 2019. Mm-hmm. They published eight names. Among the 50, they published of, uh, pub- to the public eight names. And then we... Uh, our eyes were like, just opened wide. Wait, those names, we warned about them for the, the last three years. Those names are the same NGOs, employees, and officials that, in our research. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell us that the Shabak arrested the murderers of Rina Schnurb that when the, in the time of the murder were officials in the same European funded NGOs, same officials that we said, wait, there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Two of them were not the word interns, you know, junior employees, right. CEOs, um, accountants. The two main accountants of one of the biggest NGOs that funded by Europe were the ones that uh, being trial now for the murder. Mm-hmm. Now those questions. This was the game changer. Then we understood the, the, the phenomenon that we documented is probably probably more than that. It's not only the connections.
0: It's the tip of the iceberg. Probably, of something deeper.
2: Probably those NGOs are as connected in the in the level of activity with the PFLP terror organization. And since then, we lobbied four or five different governments to show them that uh, what are you doing now? How do you know that your money is not going is not went to those people that murdered Schnnerb? What, what is your process? Most of them, and uh, so the EU started the uh, investigation. Uh, the Netherlands started investigation after denying for one year that their money, went specifically to salaries to the employees that murdered Schnerb. They, they denied the night, and then at some point, after a lot of pressure, they, they admitted that the specific government money of the Netherlands was used to pay salaries to those two people. Mm-hmm. So this, this was from December 2019. In May 2021, the Israeli Secret Service, uh, issuing a very unique press release, very rare, saying that they arrested uh, four employees in one of the NGOs. It's called uh, the Health Work Committee. Mm -hmm. It's an NGO that was designated in 2015 already, but still received European money. And uh, the announcement said that uh, the Shabak have evidence that European money was used to uh, fund the PFLP activities through this NGO. And they also implied, also uh, gave a very big hint that this is the breakthrough of an investigation that connected not only to this specific NGO, but to six others. And then we understood, okay, there is a story here. Mm-hmm. It's not only NGOs that politically motivated and against Israel. It's not only NGOs that are officials are part of a terror group. There is, it's. this is part of the system. It's a system that raising money in order to be a, a, a let's call it a, a tunnel or a channel to, to the PFLP terror organization.
0: So European sources are giving money to get information and support human rights. And that money is being, not laundered exactly, but is being directed towards... A terror organization to help them achieve their goals.
2: Yeah. Alleg- allegedly, some of the NGOs, this is what's happened. Some of the NGOs, is allegedly, this is exactly what's happened. I can assure you that the Europeans have no means and sometimes no will to, uh, uh, to understand what's really happened with the money. Uh, now, now the, what, what the Shabak found about those six NGOs are uh, classified. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, the process of designate an organization as a terror organization is not a political process. It's a very in-depth le- legal and um, and researchy, let's call it, uh, process that involves not only the Shabak, it involves Ministry of Justice, Ministry of Defense. It's involved in a special advisor to the Ministry of Defense that needs to approve those things. The process is very uh, uh, complicated, and it's good because you don't want, you know, yeah. every politician to declare or to designate an NGO as a terror organization just because he's he done something that the politician doesn't want.
0: Well, because it because it's classified, it make I, I can understand people feeling like, well, now you're asking me to trust you, you and you know an internal governmental organization, we, you know, today there's a lot of distrust for institutions, but on the other hand, they're not declaring most NGOs, even ones with very strong anti-Israel biases to be terrorist organizations. The fact that these, just the outward evidence that we do have that's not classified is pretty damning. So now that gives Shabak, I think, and and the Israeli process, uh, you can, there's reason to give the benefit of the doubt to the Israeli government. That if what we've seen is so concerning, imagine what we're not seeing.
2: Yeah, this is, this is our, yeah, the, the, that's true. But don't forget that uh, the human the human rights world is automatically set to criticize Israel on anything sure. or what. You know what? Great example, the COVID vaccines. Remember, yeah. do, do, do you remember what's happened with the COVID vaccines? Soon as Israel got the vaccines, there was a huge campaign full of lies, full of uh-huh. just... And just biased information yeah. that Israel preventing the Palestinians to yeah. uh, to get those vaccines, uh, everything that Israel will do automatically the world, the, the human rights world and the NGO world, and a part of also the establishment in the US and in Europe yeah, that was will crazy. be automatically against. Yeah. And what you described, Mike, is there is tension always between the public diplomacy war and the security establishment. Because Mm -hmm. there is information, you cannot uh, get out. And we're living in a world that feeds from information. We want information. We want to see picture. We barely believe half of the things that we read on the internet. So why we believe the Israeli uh, security establishment? Right. And this creates a lot of tension and, and, and a great challenge of how are we dealing with this, those
1: things? Um, can I just ask you a follow-up question, Itai, and, and, um, and, and it connects to what you just said at the end of the, this tension between sort of diplomacy and security. Um, we've seen a, a fairly strong reaction from the European countries and the United States about this designation. Um, why are they so upset? Because they, think, they really think these organizations are innocent or because they are scared to lose their inside uh, sources, or, or why are they so upset about it?
2: That, that's a great that that's actually a great question that can be analyzed. Uh, I think you can write a PhD on the on the response. Uh, so I will analyze it very shortly from from different perspective. One is there is no doubt that Israel could be could do a better job on. Uh, briefing those governments before the information was declared to the public. There is no, there is no doubt. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that Israel done it, but probably not so well. And this is our, they uh, deserve the, the uh, deserved criticism. This is one. The other perspective is from uh, the European perspective. This is a, uh, they are invested on these NGOs. And when you say you invested money and trust mm-hmm. on terror organizations, that's, that, that's a very uh, uh, hard allegation. So I analyze it from, first of all, they are in defense. They have to condemn it. Mm-hmm. They have because inv- for 20 years, they invested money. It's embarrassing, money. Right. It's embarrassing <laughs> for them. This is one. The second thing, sometimes they just don't want to believe, and also they, um, when it comes to Israel, the the definitions of terrorism uh, starting to be very narrow, very Mm -hmm. narrow. Like supporting terrorism is not enough. Show us where the where he exploded in what which bus, and take all those things, and you can you can understand European response that was very uh, very harsh, because they. They embarrassed, and also it's a good opportunity for them to show that they are, you know, for human rights, for civil society. Uh, The same in the U. And the same as uh, in the U.S. Although the U.S. is not invested on those NGOs money-wise as a government, uh, but it's a it's a problematic. One of the NGOs uh, was uh, he, he he done for I think maybe four or five years lobby in the Congress, in the US. An NGO that we have a video of uh, its employees on PFLP events, uh, 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 hailing a hailing terrorist that uh, was killed fighting Israel. Mm. That's very problematic for the Americans now.
1: Right. Uh, so that, okay, so that, thank you. That helps understand why there was such a, a strong backlash uh, after all of this. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, I mean they have their agenda and Israel Israel Prime Ministry did not do a good job integrating this integrating fighting this in a productive way with its
2: allies. They're just not It's doing also well It also need to be analyzed from um uh, from a local political perspective. The the new government, uh, the lack of coordination, the expectations mm-hmm. from the new government. Yeah. In in, the, in
1: what in what sense to the to the local political considerations plan what what do you mean by that?
2: So, I think that the Europeans, the Americans had different expectations from this current Israeli government, which is very unique um, and, and serves a lot, of, a lot of challenges of coordinating together, working together. There are clearly lack of coordination between all the ministries in this mm-hmm. case. And to add to that, that, Europe and the US never expected such a move against the Palestinians. Uh, while doing other moves that are much more uh, considered as a, you know promoting peace, or trying to promote the peace process again, that are much more liberal, and I think this um, um, dissonance between this the, the, the government, which consider you know center left, and this declaration, was uh, very surprising for the Europeans and the Americans.
0: Okay, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, I tell you, sometimes sometimes these things just sound like if you would read them in a fiction book, you would roll your eyes and say, There's no way the world works this way. Like that's so silly. And then sometimes it, it's it's part of the problem is when you're when you're in the I think in the open democratic world, you can be exploited by organizations that don't believe in those they can they can use the openness and the and the desire to improve human rights, they can exploit those as weaknesses, even though they're strengths, but they can take advantage. And and I think that's what we're seeing here. And, and, And even the outcry, I think is part of the, against it is part of that system of people who want to improve human rights, but they don't realize they're being played by organizations that are using them.
2: Yeah. You summarized it well.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Itai. Again. I think, I think it is a confusing story because there's so much background that when you read just a, you know, a short news thing, it, you, you, you end up wanting more, but here you really helped us by giving us the bigger picture and, and representing an organization that, you know, I, I, it, it seems like such a funny idea to focus on this, but look, look at the result that you're able to catch things, your organization that just other people miss. So. You know, you're, you're one of those NGOs doing good work, helping society, and we appreciate you your work much. in general, but also really for taking the time and explaining things so clearly.
1: I mean, thank you very, very much, Itai, for joining
0: us
2: this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure uh, to uh, be in this podcast.
0: Thanks. And uh, regards to Naftali Balance and my old student and friend. <laughs> I will. Um, all right. So we don't have to log off the Zoom, but it is the end of the episode, so I'm stopping the recording. Bye-bye. Massah Israel Journey is dedicated to shaping a promising future for the young Jewish individual, the global Jewish community, and the connection to the state of Israel. Massah offers life-transforming, long-term opportunities in Israel that allows fellows to create their own future. Check out MassahIsrael.org for more info.